This is episode 113 of the Movie Maniacs podcast, and in this episode, we're going to be getting into the recent live-action reimagining of the Pinocchio trailer, and also, I finally got the chance to see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and we're going to be talking about that as well, all in episode 113 of the Movie Maniacs podcast. I'm your host, Noah, and kicking things off today, I wanted to talk about the Pinocchio trailer because I had heard that this trailer got released this week, and yesterday I finally got the chance to see it shortly after wrapping up the podcast, actually, and I have I have some thoughts, I have some complaints, and listen, if you guys have been listening to the show for a while now, you know that I'm just not a fan of these live-action remakes. There's not... I don't know if there's one that I actually even like that much. I mean, the most I've read them is maybe a 7 out of 10 to The Jungle Book. But other than that, these live-action remakes have just sucked the soul out of me each time I've watched them. The unfortunate and tragedy of uh, <laughs> my film career is I just continue to watch these and I don't even know why it's it's uh, one of my greatest problems I would say and I don't know why I continue to watch these but this Pinocchio trailer has gotten a lot of flack I think and I, I'm just gonna look at look at what it said here because I saw a statistic that's saying I mean that this is uh, it's been getting really dogged I think I mean people have not been liking this trailer and understandably so because Disney continues to put out these these crapped out live action uh, reimaginings of their great films and they just suck all of the soul out of them until there's nothing but the dry shell of what uh, of what was originally there, and it's a it's a pretty sad thing because I mean, instead of introducing your kids to the animated version that's actually the good one, instead they get introduced to the Lion King twenty nineteen, which was just just not good. And I mean, it's been getting trashed. I mean, trashed. And listen, because I mean, one of the big complaints here, I think, is just. I mean, we've seen this so many times, and people are looking for something original. Right now, it's at thirty. The like YouTube is trying to hide their, you know, their they they won't show dislikes anymore, which I think is so stupid. And I think I saw something where it says like right now, there are more dislikes on this trailer than there are likes. I mean, by a whopping number, um, just a whopping margin, and. The trailer is weird. Um, obviously, we have Robert Zemeckis directing this movie with Tom Hanks starring as Geppetto. And this movie is just trying to live off of the goodwill that people have for Tom Hanks. Because we know that there's nothing here. Robert Zemeckis hasn't made a good movie since Forrest Gump. I mean, really, he just he hasn't. I and mean, Nobody liked what he did with Polar Express and Beowulf. 
Nobody liked the Mark, the Steve Carell film that was kind of weird. He is done. And I don't think that this is going to reignite some great filmmaking from him. I am expecting something that is just a hollow shell. I probably won't watch this movie. And what's weird is they barely ever show Pinocchio. And it ends with this... I th- I didn't even know what what the fairy was. It was just so weird, and I was just taken aback. And it's just continuing this trend of Disney's lack of creativity, and that's really the 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 brand that they've run now. It's just oh, we just get our money off the backs of source material and films that were better, and we just reimagine them and. And it's a great old cash grab, and we make so much money off of it. And they do. I mean, The Lion King made a lot of money in 2019. And a lot, like Jungle Book made quite a bit of money, Maleficent. I mean, these films have been successful. However, Mulan, Lady and the Tramp, these films have not gotten a lot of praise. And I don't know what the statistics are because those were released on Disney+, Plus. but I can only imagine that they... Yeah, I know they got dogs pretty bad critically. I think that people are, are beginning to start to put their foot down. And good Lord, I hope so. I highly, highly doubt I see this movie. It's going to be an exclusive Disney Plus film, which is really sad because, I mean, one of the things that I enjoyed about these live action remakes was going to see them in the theater. Now I'm not even going to get that. So I'm probably not going to end up even watching this film. And I honestly don't care. I thought I was going to, when I turned the trailer on, it said Disney Plus, and I was like, oh, man, I might not end up seeing this. And then I watched the trailer, and I realized, oh, thank the Lord I'm not seeing this and wasting my life on this trash. And I want to just make something clear here. The reactions from people in the comment section, and I'm, I, I, I don't picture myself as the voice for the people, but honestly... It's pretty clear nobody wants this. Nobody wants this. And it, something that the trailer says is a remake, like a remaking of the timeless classic. And I just thought, well, then why are you remaking it if it's so timeless? Just leave it there. And we've already gotten like two Pinocchio films in the past year, and then we're getting another one, and then we're getting another one with Guillermo del Toro directing it on Netflix, which is much more exciting than whatever piece of crap. Tom Hanks and Robert Zemeckis are making. Listen to what people are saying. Disney is becoming one of the most hated companies and they totally deserve it. Another timeless classic that Disney intends to suck out all the soul of the original. When Pinocchio wished to be a real boy, this is not what he meant. I mean, it's just the list goes on. It's like 50 comments of, uh, I mean, people are, are recognizing that these are just, like they're Disney's just sucking the soul out of these beloved properties, and I love the original Pinocchio animated film. I think it's one of the more underrated ones, and I also think that it's one of my favorites, right along with you know uh, Alice uh, and all of that, and Peter Pan. They've made a lot of really good films, and The Lion King and all that. I like those original Disney animated films. 
I don't really care for any of these live action ones. They just are not my cup of tea and they never have been. And I'm going to, I'm just going to go through here and I'm going to look at these live action remakes and just, we're just going to go through the list. Why don't we do that? We're just going to make our way through and see which one of these have been hits, which ones have been misses. So we're going to start with newest first. All right. Also, as I'm doing this, I'm seeing their next live action remake, and that's The Little Mermaid, directed by Rob Marshall, a director who I am not a fan of. And then, I don't know, it looks horrible. I, I do not I do not want that film at all. Let's go through this. We have Mulan. We have, let me see here. Oh my God, Lady and the Tramp. Dumbo, Aladdin, The Lion King. None of these are good. Aladdin was not good. The Lion King was not good. Dumbo was not good. Beauty and the Beast was, I guess, one of the better ones, but still not good. The Jungle Book, which is the best one. Cinderella is one of the better ones. Maleficent's all right. And then it just goes on. Uh, I'm, there's a lot of schlock here as I'm going through these. Yeah, I just and then it all and it starts to go back. You know, Alice in Wonder in Wonderland, directed by Tim Burton. That was one of the the first ones, I think. And then, yeah, it it, it just gets you know until then we get to like when they were making original stuff, which was forever ago. I mean, nowadays it just feels like every Disney movie is the same thing. I mean, Ryan the Last Dragon and Moana feel like the exact same movie. Can I get an amen? Because it's really just a character who, you know, is on the quest for something, but realizes that the quest is not really what's important, and there's a whole other message that she needs to be learning. And then it's it it they all of these movies feel the same nowadays. I'm ready for something new. I'm ready just for Disney to change. I mean, because this Pinocchio trailer just like even Tom Hanks was like not that impressive. He's got all this this these this bad wig on and then the performance was a little bit one note to me and I I liked some of the stuff that I saw of Jimmy the Cricket who's voiced by George, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. The the fairy was not what I was looking for and yeah, I'm just done. <laughs> I'm done. I do not. I maybe if the if it's in theaters, I'll go see it. But other than that, nah. I'm just not really that interested. The Haunted Mansion, another remake. Disenchanted. Who gives a crap? I mean, Hocus Pocus two. Do people want these? I, I I'm asking from a genuine standpoint. Do people want these, or are they just seeing them because oh, remember that one time? that you had fun with, you know, what what's her face, Amy Adams, and oh, remember that fun time you had with the three witch ladies, and and then what is Strange World? I don't know what that is, but directed by Don Hall. I don't, I don't know, guys. This is such schlock to me. It It just feels like a lot of schlock. I'm ready to be done. And I've called out for this forever. 
I'm so tired of these. They're all remakes nowadays. And listen, remakes can be a really good. And I'm not, I'm not dogging remakes. I think there's a room for them. And I'm perfectly comfortable with them. Back in the day, remakes used to be kind of an exciting thing. Nowadays, they're all people are doing. It's remakes and reboots. Just it's or legacy sequels, right? I mean, we see this all the time. And one of the reasons I like Top Gun Maverick so much is because it was a genuinely good sequel, gave uh, its you know appreciation to the original, but also did something new. Most sequels just spend their time reminding you of the good time that you had with the first film, and then at like the like two hour mark, they forget that they gotta give you an actual story. And it's just, it goes down the gutter. It goes down the gutter so quick. And I turned on that Chip and Dale film. And for some reason, people are like going, oh, you know what? It was actually kind of good. And it was cute. And it had some Easter eggs that I liked. And I watched it for, I like, for 30 minutes. And it's like, all that I could see the praise was, just, oh, what a different way to remind people of films that they like. Like, some of them were kind of clever, but then others, it's just like I'd seen these Easter eggs done before with Ready Player One and so many other films that are just Easter egg packed. And that really is one of the the big terms of, I think, of the, the decade is just Easter eggs and callbacks and reboots. And that's why when I get like an original film, I come in here and I praise it so much because those films are just so much more rare, and those, and that's why I like A24. I mean, they have done adaptations, but most of the time, they're coming at it from a original standpoint. And then when I get to Disney, I just get so tired, and I'm, I'm just tired of the same thing over and over again. But anyway, I didn't like the trailer. I don't think a lot of people like the trailer. It's gotten dogged, and then I see, like, these reaction videos, and I, and I – there's like Kenobi. Uh, no, it's not Kenobi. Pinocchio. Wonderful trailer. And I'm like, okay, let me see what people are liking about this trailer. And I don't even understand. I watch these reactions and I don't even get why there are, there are people out there who are excited for this. It's so, so weird to me. I, I do not think that this trailer looks good. And I'm probably not going to watch it. But then again... I am a massive hypocrite, and I might end up watching it anyway. I don't know, but Pinocchio didn't look good. Let's talk about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because, listen, it's a big uh, X on my mark for not having watched this sooner. It had honestly taken me so long to even watch the movie, I questioned if I'd even up seeing it because normally I see these MCU films pretty quick, and the fact that I hadn't gone to this movie in a bit was rather concerning because I I, I think that it's, I, in a way, my responsibility to give you guys my review. And I hadn't done that. So to the people who wanted the Doctor Strange 2 review, I apologize. It is a massive mark on my record. And, and forgive me, please. But I finally ended up watching it. And... Uh, I, I guess I should talk about what my expectations were going in because when we got the first trailer, I wasn't impressed. And then we got the second trailer. It showed me some interesting imagery, a little bit of 
cool Sam Raimi stuff. I'm a fan of the Evil Dead movies. And the first two Spider-Man movies were pretty good. They're not the greatest of all time, but they're pretty good. I enjoyed them. They're definitely better than anything that has been made by Marvel the past in the past few years, except for No Way Home. I mean, I, I went to go see this with a friend, and even he was saying that ever since Endgame, the MCU has just not been the same, with the exception of No Way Home. And that really is the only exception, in my opinion. I, I look... At the, at the record, and No Way Home is the only film of theirs that I have liked since Endgame. Other than that, I'm just, I have not been on board for this new phase of the MCU. And people are like, oh, the MCU is so much more exciting now because they're trying new things. And I guess that is the case. They're trying new stuff, but I'm not really on board for what I'm, I've been getting because I understand. They've been doing different stuff, but all the different stuff that they've been giving us is like pretty much nothing that anybody out there wants. Nobody wants a two hour and 30 minute slog fest, which was what Eternal was. And then nobody wants a rom-com with She-Hulk. I just, there's, they understand, right, that the formula that they had for a while worked and now it doesn't. We're ready for something new. And I agree. Let's do that. And that's why I praised Loki and WandaVision to a lesser extent, but Loki specifically was different. And it had, you know, some uh, some wonky CGI and occasionally didn't look great and the action was pretty bad. But when it got down to the story and the characters, I was invested. I liked what I saw. And other than that, I, I mean, I know Moon Knight's supposed to be good. I haven't seen it. I honestly don't want to. Maybe I will at some point, but right now it's not really on my on the top of my watch list, unfortunately. And then I I liked Hawkeye, but Hawkeye was not really original. It was just a really good like little Christmas show that I liked, and it had fun performances, characters I enjoyed, and that was a fun time. What else have they done? I mean. Gosh, Falcon and Winter Soldier was very similar to Winter Soldier and Silver War. I understood what they were trying to get at, but it kind of fell short for me. And Black Widow was not original. And Shang-Chi had some originality to it. I, I can say that, but that film, ultimately, all, they've been doing... Things that are original until they get to the third act. And this is my problem. I've been saying it forever. I don't know how many more times I got to say it, but the MCU has to figure out how to make a good ending. They have never done it except for a, like a few films. A few films. No one has said, and maybe it is the case with Endgame, but I like Endgame, okay? I'm not, I'm not here to talk about Endgame, but when you look at the third act, from a technical writing standpoint, that is a when I'm mainly talking about the final battle here, but it's a pretty messy battle, right? Like it's it is not the most well written. It relies so much on you know the shock of the characters coming back, and and I understand why. And I don't really mind, but it I honestly prefer the first two acts in a way, even though the third you know the reveal and all that and the, the the deaths and all that. I, I, I like it. It gets me emotional because, the, I mean, really, those are the last 
great characters the MCU has had, with the exception of Thor and Spider-Man. Other than that, I mean, I really don't care much about any of these new characters. Definitely not the Eternals. I don't ever, ever want to see them again. Please, no more Eternals. I do not want that. Please, just for the love of film, do not do a second Eternals film. I don't want to ever see their faces again. No, thank you. Shang-Chi, sure, I, I guess, you know, I, we can bring him back, sure, and honestly, the only one I really want to see again is Spider-Man and Thor. Man, I miss the days of Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. I mean, can we, can we agree that the MCU was at its best with those two? I don't think anybody is sitting here saying that the MCU is in a better spot after Endgame. It is a notice. I think it's a noticeable drop in quality, and I'm not sure. It, it's hard to pin my finger on it, but I was happy that we were getting a, a returning character, Doctor Strange, because I like this character to a degree, but at the same time, I feel like this character has always been forced to tell jokes. He is kind of trapped in the Iron Man box. And I feel like the MCU is trying to push him as the new Iron Man. I just do not agree that that is the role that he should be playing. I don't think that's what he did in the comics. And he is kind of just stuck in the Robert Downey Jr. box. And I like Benedict Cumberbatch all right, but he's just not Robert Downey Jr. When it comes to the jokes, I don't laugh as hard. And he's had moments where I'll chuckle and I'll give a little smile. But he is no Robert Downey Jr. That charisma is at, on another stratosphere, and it's not in the realm of Benedict Cumberbatch. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, actors have their strengths and they have their weaknesses. What's so confusing to me is Benedict Cumberbatch can be funny, but the movie is his movies are so intent on trying to make this a funny character who's kind of like that Iron Man. He's kind of a rogue, and he's... You know, he's a little bit of a jerk, but he's a lovable jerk, and you kind of like him, but sometimes he'll make the wrong decisions, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. and the movie, this movie, I was expecting to kind of put that aside. I wanted, and I know Sam Raimi can be a funny director. I wanted him to, you know, bring in his own sensibilities, but also, you know, I mean, this is just not a comedic character, but the MCU is so intent on making Doctor Strange crack jokes and have these wry quips and all of that and that's just not the character that's not the character that i want to see for some reason though the mcu is just intent on giving me these jokes and uh, some of them are good and then some of them are pretty bad and i was ready to push past it this is a spoiler review i want to make that clear but anyway we're going to get into the overall conversation around the film whether or not it's good, there are some things that are good in this movie, and then there's some things that I don't think are good. We're going to get into all of that real quick. I think the big praise to start off with here is Sam Raimi. I mean, this has been what people have liked the most from the film. And this is my thing is I like what Sam Raimi did with the Spider-Man films, at least the first two. They weren't – I don't think those are perfect films, but – I like them. The Evil Dead films are good as well. I like that trilogy. And I think that it, it's telling to me that 
the MCU could use some creative filmmaking. Because for the life of me, I couldn't tell you a like unique directorial vision except for Taika Waititi and Chloe Zhao. One of those films are good and the other one is bad. I'll let you guys decide which one I am talking about. Sam Raimi is the third member of that group. And other than that, I think Joss Whedon brought some things from the, from the script perspective. And John Favreau did as well. So I would probably throw their names in there. But I, I guess Kenneth Branagh, but that was a also kind of a sloppy directing as well. And I'm I'm just I, I I'm I'm at a crossroads with Doctor Strange here. I was interested in this movie because I wanted something fresh, crazy, bombastic, and I get that. I I, I get that in spades. However, the film is so crazy that everything else outside of the visuals and the cult stuff and all the demons, which are obviously things that Sam Raimi brought in. That is all fun and good. And sometimes it goes into such a, a realm of craziness and madness, no pun intended, that, I mean, that I that I went with, but I could tell that Jude and uh, the friend that I went with, they were not going along with this nearly as much as I did. And... I think they came at it from, you know, the Marvel perspective, right? I mean, I'm going into an MCU film here. I knew what I was going to be getting because I had seen Sam Raimi's films and I kind of understood the direction that he was going to be bringing in. So I was prepared for some of the wackiness. But ultimately, it, it does go into some, some realms where I just don't think that people are going to be able to flow with. But that's not really what I'm here to talk about because I like those moments. There's a moment where Doctor Strange and this other, you know, this other Strange from a different universe or, or multiverse, whatever, they have, like, this battle, and they're, like, throwing music notes at one another. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. And the score by Danny Elfman just goes crazy with the music notes. And Danny Elfman reuniting with Sam Raimi is just as great as I wanted it to be. It's one of my favorite MCU scores. He brings in... The, the typical Sam Raimi stuff, but then he'll go into, I think, the realm that we aren't used to from Sam Raimi uh, or from Danny Elfman. If you're not familiar with Danny Elfman's work, or if you are, I think this is a better recommendation for if you are, check out his album last year called The Big Mess, which I thought was really, really good. Uh, it's a very interesting album. If you like the craziness of Sam Raimi and Danny Elfman, it's a lot of that. I, and I also think if you like a little bit of Trent Reznor, it's a good album. I would highly recommend that. He brings in some of the really dark Danny Elfman electric guitar craziness at times. That's when I like the score the best. But the, like the point is the movie goes in these directions that I think are are fun. But the movie is constantly sacrificing Good character building and story. And this is my problem with the film. Right now, as I am speaking, I do not know whether or not I'm going to recommend this movie. Because I I enjoyed the vision, but there is so much wrong with this film. There are a plethora of problems. And 
ultimately it falls on Sam Raimi as well because he is the director. You are supposed to have a finger in every pot. And I don't care what crazy camera angles you bring in. All that is fun. But when you get to writing and characters and the flow of the story, this movie suffers deeply, deeply. I mean, characters change on a dime. And we got to talk about Wanda, the Scarlet Witch here, because... I mean, there's been some backlash to the way that her character has been handled, and I understand that because Sam Raimi said he has not seen WandaVision, and I get that a lot from, from the work that he does here because, I mean, that whole show is focused on Wanda trying to be uh, uh, not not giving in to the, the dark side of her character and, and trying to break away from that. And I think that we were kind of sold a almost like a, a team-up film. That is not what we get in the, like, 25 minutes into the movie. You think Wanda's going to team up with Doctor Strange, and all of a sudden, she's like, oh, no, I'm bad, and I've been, like, using demons with this book and tr going out, killing people in other multiverses so I can get this girl and, and yada, yada, yada. I was kind of confused because, I mean, I, I know this is from the comics, right? I mean, one of the all-time legendary Marvel runs is where Mwanda absolutely loses it. A lot of people have wanted that storyline, and I was prepared for this film to take us there because I kind of got some sinister stuff from her in the trailers, even though they were trying to sell a, a team-up movie. I had a feeling she was going to turn it. At some point, I did not expect it to be Wanda shows up, 30 seconds later, she's like bad, and she's casting these spells and demons, and that was not what I thought we were going to get, and yet <laughs> this movie like flips it on a dime, and this is my problem here, because there was no, I don't think there was any build-up to that switch, all of a sudden Wanda is just bad, and one of my problems with the movie is this movie just jumps around from scene to scene, it's got no flow at all. I mean, the pacing is just kind of wonky, and and, and sometimes it's fast-paced, and then it just stops, and it's slow. Like, the movie has an energy to it, but the energy is not always matching the actual pacing and, you know, story of the movie. I It, it has some massive pacing problems, I think, and people were worried about, you know, the short runtime. It's only, like, two two hours, and... In 10 minutes, which is like pretty short for an MCU movie. And I, I, I for a, a part of what's to praise that, I, I mean, it, I checked the time, it's two hours and six minutes. But for a movie at this scale, it deserves to have an extra like 20 minutes clocked onto it because there have been other examples, like, you know, Black Widow, uh, I think like Shang-Chi, where they really don't warrant some of those longer run times. I think Doctor Strange of the Multiverse of Madness does. I think it it deserved to take its, I don't know, take its time is the right word, but get a clearer head. And the movie just feels so scattered to me. And that's my problem is, I on one hand, I like the vision. And what Sam Raimi is doing here is very intriguing and fun and crazy. But then I look to my characters here, and I've got this America girl who I didn't really like that much. I think the actress is fine, but I didn't really care for her character much. And then, I mean, let's talk about her for a second, because 
actress does good, but you know, she's got this power where she could hop from multiverse to multiverse, but she can't control it. And one time she, you know, killed her mothers and or something like that, and they, they disappeared because she got stung by a bee and she's haunted by this past and she can't control her power. But this is what Wanda wants because Wanda misses her kids and all that. But I thought that WandaVision's ending was about Wanda letting go. Apparently she didn't let go. And then at the end of the movie, this character, the America girl, has had no growth really besides like kind of trusting Doctor Strange. But then all Doctor Strange does is like tell her, you've controlled your powers the whole time. And I'm like, okay, really now? <laughs> it's like, really? She's just been controlling them the whole time? And he's like, oh, you've always had control and just believe. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this thing again. I mean, people poke fun at the Lego movie a lot for it being just too, you know, energetic. And I liked that movie. And one of the funniest parts about that movie is uh, the Morgan Freeman character just going to Emmett and the cat poster, believe. And it's like so corny and it's poking fun at all you know, the superhero movies and the hero journeys that we see all the time. And it's just some mentor figure tells them, believe, and you can do it. You've always been able to do it. And I just like, this is just the most unsatisfying resolution to a character ever. But I should have expected this because we're in an MCU film. And I don't mean to dog on them because I have enjoyed a lot of MCU films in the past. But it's been a, a hot minute since they've had a streak with me. They have not had a streak. No Way Home was fun. That That's it. <laughs> Except for Endgame. I haven't liked any of these movies. And this is definitely the one of the better Phase 4 films, I think. I mean, I think it's better than Eternals, Black Widow, Shang-Chi. Not as good as No Way Home for sure, but... I like the the because it the craziness is just full of creativity. I like this movie more, but man, oh man, it's just a a mess. It's it it really is. The character arc for America is just so poor, and then the Doctor Strange arc is all about this the Rachel McAdams character, and it's all rooted in how. Like this is the love of his life, and and they never, you know, they never hook up in the other multiverses because Doctor Strange is so cold, and he always is holding the knife. And Christine could respect him for it, but she could never love him for it. It's just like we've seen this so many times, but it's even worse because I get nothing from Rachel McAdams in this movie. I think this is a step down. From even the 2017 movie, which I didn't think was that great. The main reason I liked Doctor Strange is from Infinity War and Endgame, No Way Home. I thought he was more fun in those movies and had a a better, you know, wit a, a better wit about him. I think the jokes worked better there. And I, I remain true to that being No Way Home, Endgame, and Infinity War are his best performances because I mean, I never got the sense from that 2017 film that he and Christine were these 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 the lovers Romeo and Juliet they could just never be and it never worked out between us Christine and I always cared for you 
and like that's what this whole like that's what the whole arc is about is strange never gets christine and i don't care i never gave a crap about their relationship i don't understand why the movie is asking me to do that all of a sudden i never thought that this was like the romance of the ages or something like that it's so weird to me how the film is just like this is the romance that you've all been waiting for and i'm like oh have we now because I did not remember this being like some great romance. And Rachel McAdams, an actress who I really like, Spotlight, Game Night. I have really enjoyed this actress in a lot of roles. And I thought that she did a, the best that she could in that 2017 movie. But she gets nothing here. I mean, just, just nothing. And... You could tell that she does not want to be here. It's a very dry performance, and there's just no emotion to it. I don't care about this character. I don't understand what Doctor Strange sees in her, why she is so great. She's nothing, but I, I don't think she has any personality. And I'm sorry, I just don't think that this character is that good. There's no chemistry between her and Benedict Cumberbatch, that's a problem for Cumberbatch and for McAdams because it is your job to get some chemistry with your co-star, especially when you have a like a romantic relationship in this project. I get nothing from them, and that is a massive problem because this movie is trying to sell it to me over and over again that we need to be caring about these two. It's the romance of the century. I missed that. Because I never thought that these two were such a great item. I thought Rachel McAdams was just like every other MCU, you know, Jane, Pepper. I mean, good Lord, there are just so many. Uh, Betty Brant from Incredible Hulk. So many of these romantic interests have just been thrown down the gutter. I thought Rachel McAdams was no different. That's no diss to Rachel McAdams. I think she's great. She's not great here, and this relationship is not. And this is just a problem for me because how am I supposed to connect with this movie when you give me nothing here to sink my teeth into? I don't care about this America girl. I don't care about this relationship between Strange and McAdams. The only character that I like in this movie, like fully support, was cheering for, is Wong. Benedict Wong as Wong is honestly the only character that I could I could 100% support because every character here has like a moment where I just disliked it. And even the performances here, I don't think are that strong, which is not a criticism that I thought I was going to have. But McAdams and Cumberbatch have no chemistry. Cumberbatch is not the greatest comedian of all time. He can be really good. Power of the Dog, he was great. But, I mean, when he tries to go for comedy, I just don't think that he always nails it. And then Elizabeth Olsen is very much hamming it up. And I, in a way, I respect her for, for just you know, going for it and and giving it a shot and 100% going for Raimi's vision. I can appreciate that. But ultimately, like, she has some lines that are just so bad and even she can't sell them completely. She's got a couple monologues that I think do work. And monologues are, I mean, just what I pretty hard for an actor to do just because they're such a bad, like, 
story tool, especially when you're a villain. I mean, how many times does a villain have to monologue and tell their plan to the character? Scarlet Witch does that constantly through this movie, and I rolled my eyes every time. She's like, I am being reasonable, and, you know, my children, and... I like I was like, what about Vision, your your lover for years? <laughs> and and she only she only mentions Vision one time. Like and I kind of felt his absence over the course of the movie. And I thought there that was a vision out there that was like in white or something. I just don't understand like how this movie fits into the MCU a hundred percent because there are so many things that are, are forgotten and because Everything this movie does is so weird and kind of out of place. I wish that Sam Raimi had just made a crazy original film instead of having to play patty cake with Kevin Feige and the MCU team's, you know, way of making a commercial film. Just go crazy and make like a a really weird, evil, dead-esque film. Sam Raimi hasn't made a movie in like eight years and he's one of the most interesting directors just because he brings in this really fun style. I liked all the directing that he did here. And listen, some of the CGI is poor, but I don't really care. My own, my only complaint here is the excessive use of green screen. You can tell there are scenes. None of these actors were on the same you know, stage or they were not in the same room together. And this was very noticeable when the Illuminati showed up. And this is uh, very key, I think, to getting to because I think a lot of people expected for this to be a, a heavy Easter egg movie, and that's not the case. It's not that full of Easter eggs. I don't really care. Sam Raimi's doing his own thing, and I respect that for sure. And then they start to bring in Easter eggs here, and they're like the worst Easter eggs ever. Uh, or they're the worst, like cameos or or whatever you want to call them fan service yeah that's the that's the term fan service it's really poor fan service i expected for this movie to have a couple fun moments of fan service when they actually get to the fan service in the second act it's awful yeah, like i was excited for professor x to show up it's like really oh oh not that exciting when he does. There's Peggy Carter as Captain Britain. Okay. Then there's Monica Rambo as Captain Marvel. Two captains. Okay. I, and then John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. I was like, heck yeah, this should be awesome. No. this the All of these were relatively lame. No disrespect to any of the actors, especially Patrick Stewart. I know he's... He was going for it. I mean, he, he was bringing in that inner Charles Xavier, but I didn't like any of these characters, honestly. And the Black Bolt one was, like, just weird, too. And I was all for John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. I was excited. I say, let's do it. This was the most disappointing character reveal because fans have wanted John Krasinski as this character and he just comes and he's pretty stilted and I'm not even going to necessarily blame the actor because they just get these bad lines and this poor backstory that they've got to spell out you don't really like them I don't think any of these characters are all that likable and none of them are all that exciting it's pretty bland quite frankly how disappointing is that? Because I wanted John Krasinski to work, and 
I wanted the cool, you know, Emily Blunt, Mr. Fantastic film, uh, the Fantastic Four. I wanted that movie. And then Scarlet Witch just shows up and commits massacre upon massacre in the movie, making herself irredeemable. And I get that she's kind of being possessed by this book, but the way Hollywood works, when you commit murder on that scale, well, then you just know that it's not, it's just not really going to work out. So I didn't really care all that much for their deaths. They had like this moment where they stand off against Wanda and you can totally tell that they were not on the same room. They were not in the same room when they filmed that. They all look so composited onto the frame. It It's so bad. It's lackluster. It's disappointing. I was ready to get over with the Illuminati stuff because it was just so disappointing how bad the fan service was. And that, listen, I am never really one to clamor for fan service, but if you're going to give it to me, we'll do it well. And especially after No Way Home where they delivered some really good fan service, this is disappointing because, I mean, none of these – I mean, all of these characters could potentially be exciting and you like them and want to see more of them in the future. But then Scarlet Witch just straight up kills them, and I'm, I'm just so shocked by how viciously she does it. And listen, I'm glad I didn't take my younger brother to go see this movie because it is it is definitely darker, lots of demon stuff, uh, lots of killing, and I mean, I mean, parents be warned, I suppose, <laughs> going into this movie. But I liked the violence and the extreme uh, aspects that they brought in. And on one hand, I was a, I was just loving how Sam Raimi was just offing these characters who everybody kind of wanted to see. Sam Raimi clearly just didn't give a crap, but at the same time. It's disappointing to see these characters who you kind of wanted to see do well in a future installments of the MCU just get offed. And maybe they'll come back. I don't know. But, I mean, it's a it's pretty disappointing in my opinion, the way that these cameos were handled. And I'm never one to clamor for this, for these types of, you know, fan service. But, man, if you're going to give it to me, I said it before, do it right. This movie does not do it right. And... I like how crazy Wanda gets in the second act. Second act, like she's just got blood all over her face. She's just killing people. It's phew, phew. And that was cool. I I liked that. I like that seeing that rogue Scarlet Witch. The movie gets more comfortable, I think, with how crazy she's gotten. And I think the second half of the movie is infinitely better than the first half because in the first half you're dealing with Doctor Strange and he gets asked, you know, at the wedding of Christine's wedding, he, he goes, she goes are you happy? And he's like, oh, of course, but you can tell he's really not happy. And it sets up the theme of the film for, for Steven is, is he happy? And ultimately I don't even understand how that's resolved, but okay. Uh, but that's kind of how it's, the whole thing is set up. And then we have this, this eyeball attack, which was kind of cool, but also looked bad. and wasn't very exciting action. But also, I liked how Sam Raimi was bringing his own style to it. But then we have this scene at like a diner or a restaurant where it's just exposition after exposition piece. And then Scarlet Witch goes crazy and it attacks a Sanctum Sanctorum. And it's a really lackluster battle. And she's just killing everybody. And then once she actually breaks into the the Sanctum Santorum and just goes crazy and she's breaking through all the spells and all that. I liked it. I understood how powerful that she was and her power just kind of escalates over the course of the movie. And I liked that. And 
the movie begins to grapple more and more with Steven kind of being this cold-hearted figure that, I mean, is constantly pushing people away from him. I liked that idea. And I'm, I'm not even that, I'm not really sure how it's even resolved, which is just my problem here is when it comes down to character arcs, this movie is just not good at it. But we're going to have to get to that when we get to recommends. What, the second half of the movie is just so bonkers and I think fun when we bring in this evil Doctor Strange with this this bigger beard and he's got the third eye and all that. They have this music battle. I liked all this stuff. It was crazy. It was fun. The camera angles were going berserk, which is what I expect from Sam Raimi. And then Steven does this like, you know, demon spell thing where he's got to go into this dead body in the nether multiverse, and it just goes crazy. Third acts rarely, rarely work in these movies, but honestly, I think it's the better act of the film just because it completely embraces the craziness for a moment, and then we got to stop, and America's got to, like, show Wanda her children getting scared of her, and then Wanda's like, I've done bad things, and I will never be forgiven, and she... She destroys the evil book and dies, sacrifices herself, and we go, oh, good riddance, you killed a lot of people, and I've kind of lost all interest in you because really you've just kind of betrayed an arc that we had over the course of like seven hour long episodes in WandaVision. That whole arc is just like ditched, and ultimately I think it leaves the character in shambles, which is disappointing because I liked this character for so long. It feels to me, honestly, like this was not the best way to handle her, even though I think Elizabeth Olsen is doing her best and, and some of the craziness is fun. It's ultimately a disservice, I think, to her character. And and even though it kind of goes back to all the cliche stuff that the movie's been doing, when the movie stays focused on the craziness and, and he totally inhabits this like really cool makeup of this dead Doctor Strange from the first part of the movie and and he's like bringing all these demons and it gets really like weird and satanic and i understand people have complained on that but i mean to a degree i kind of enjoyed it and maybe and if it was with like my youngest brother i would not have been that comfortable with it but i mean where i was at i was just like ready for the craziness bring on the madness of the multiverse and him having this like cloak of demons and this like true face face and I was like, okay, sure, let's do it. And the fights were were better, I think. And I, I liked it when the movie embraced the craziness. That is when the film works the most. Some of the CGI is not great. The action is not really that great. But I was just having a fun time watching Sam Raimi's crazy directing. And that is ultimately the biggest praise here is because the madness is Sam Raimi's directing. And he is the biggest praise here because... Any enjoyment that I find in this movie is because of his vision and his sensibility and style. My hope is that he does something different after this movie and does another horror project that is that he gets complete control over. And Kevin Feige and the other heads at the MCU are not really telling him what to do. He can just do whatever he wants. That's the next Sam Raimi film I want to see. I don't want to see Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange 3. I just want to see him get completely controlled control over a con over over a uh, project and go crazy go sam raimi go full sam raimi on it and i don't feel like he even gets to fully do that here but when he does get those opportunities to pick the violence up to the extreme add all that fun demon stuff and just go absolutely nuts that is when the movie works the best and that is my biggest praise here is 
when the movie goes down that unique route, I'm having fun. But anytime that the movie is trying to focus on story and and character, things that are very central to what makes a good film, I'm having a hard time fully endorsing the movie. So when it gets down to the recommend here, which is, you know, what we kind of build up to with each movie review, I'm really at a crossroads here because it's really about what you're looking for in a movie and what you value when you're watching it. And that can change for me on any given day. Sometimes I've dissed the fun directing because the character development is crap. And that is, I don't know, I'm not sure even talking now which way I'm going to go here. The directing is fun, and that really has been the praise from everyone. Danny Elfman and Sam Raimi have made a really fun, uh, crazy movie for the most part. But at, at other points, it, the pacing's bad, and it drags, especially in the first half. And I just had to really grapple with whether or not I fully could endorse this movie and say it's worth the watch. I think it's really all about what you're looking for in a movie. And I know that the MCU is at times trying and at times they just they just can't do it and they slip back into the same lackluster character development and writing that they have that they have fallen into so many times. I I respect them for bringing in Sam Raimi to deliver a crazy vision. Uh, At times, though, it still feels hampered, especially in the first half. It still feels like the movie can't fully go into that madness, into the craziness. And I like where the movie kind of goes with Doctor Strange because ultimately he gets consumed by the darkness the movie doesn't really take a lot of time with that though and it wasn't really it was done in a rushed way and in a cheap way a lot of this movie just felt cheap and Sam Raimi is good at working with cheap and I think that he does the best that he can the the character development is pretty lackluster the story is not the most engaging however Ultimately, I think it is a a crazy enough ride for me to give it a weak recommend. And honestly, I don't even know if I'm really agreeing with what I'm saying right now. I'm just such at a crossroads here. It's like a 6 out of 10. I mean, it's it's just got a like a 51%. Like it is just so close. And maybe I'll return to this movie at some point, maybe when I do rankings for the MCU, but I'm sure at the end of the year, I think, does Phase 4 wrap up this year? I, I'm not sure, but I'll have to give my my MCU rankings. I'll do that. But man, I mean, this is just, it, it's, uh, it is a disappointment because this movie could have been better. Sam Raimi is what keeps this alive, though. And that's my big takeaway here is Sam Raimi needs to find an original product to do. Be- I know he's a Marvel fan, but he is his best work is outside of the MCU, in my opinion. I like the Evil Dead films more than any of his Marvel work. And when he gets the chance to break away from the MCU schlock, he really does excel with Danny Elfman uh, as his Robin, and they just deliver a, a crazy, uh, a crazy ride at times. And I think that's when it really works with using the the weird makeup and then the kind of the wonky CGI and 
background and all that. But at the same time, there are things here that look cheap that I didn't like. The character development with Doctor Strange, Wanda, America, I don't care for them a whole lot. The cameos are handled pretty poorly. The post credit scene with Charlie Theron was just awful. Hated it. And thankfully, Bruce Campbell shows up at the end to say, it's over! And I said, thank the Lord, because in the movie had just been so messy, I was ready to go. And I think that if they added an extra 10 minutes to, to smooth things out, I wouldn't be feeling that way. I'd have felt comfortable if the movie went big and completely went epic. But there's also something about this movie where it feels on a weirdly low scale. And the MCU is always giving us the big life or like life or death or like the whole multiverse is going to implode and it's going to explode man and everyone's going to die and i highly encourage you guys to uh, i think i'm going to i'm actually going to put the link in the description for this episode and it's a it's not a plug to me uh, a youtube channel the closer look has a great um uh has a great video on this on why mcu is always going big and it it makes their stakes feel worse and because the mcu is constantly going forth for the biggest stakes imaginable i think that it makes their stories significantly less exciting and engaging because they are always going for oh the universe is about to explode and life and all reality is going to be destroyed and sometimes that's not the most engaging i mean sometimes low stakes can be the most exciting. I mean, you look at a film like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which deals with, it's not like the world is going to explode, but the stakes for that movie are way more engaging, I think, than anything that the MCU has delivered us in a long, long time. Because, except for like Endgame, pretty much. But that was because of your connection with the characters. Multiverse of Madness is not a really great character piece or anything like that. I think it, it drops a lot of the great character threads that it, that they had, and there are there's rubble here that I think could be turned into a really cool character story. But the disappointment here is that it is so scattered story wise, character wise, that I just don't really connect with these characters on a, on a big level like I would have hoped to. But the but the ride is fun enough where I'm giving it the weakest of recommends. It is still disappointing, though, that this was not the the complete breath of fresh air that I wanted it to be. At times, the movie that I wanted was there, but it was covered up in so much schlock that it's not the great film that I wanted it to be. I still say it's a weak recommend. It's not a bad time. There is better stuff out there, but it's not. It's not on that. If it was mediocre, I would not recommend this. But there's excitement here. And that's ultimately why I'm going to be giving it a weak, weak recommend. It's better than the first one, but, I mean, just barely. And the Christine stuff's bad. The America stuff's bad. It's, it's just not the best character or story building at all. However, it's got enough to it where I say, give it a watch. I think that you're going to find some enjoyment there, but maybe not – Maybe not to the degree that you were that you were looking for. It's especially for what I was looking for. This was not the great movie that I was hoping for it to be. The breath of fresh air I was looking for. Still, not a bad time. I'm giving it a weak recommend. I very much thank you guys for listening to this episode. That I hope that 
the it was a long time coming. I hope that it was worth it. Uh, feedback is always appreciated, guys. If there's changes you want me to make to the show, as always, moviemaniacs2020 at gmail.com. Five stars on a podcast. Reviews, feedback, always appreciated. And I would uh, greatly, greatly appreciate it. So uh, if you do that, it helps the show uh, get more popularity. I mean, we are not the big – I mean, we're 113 episodes in, and this is not the biggest show on earth. It is a small podcast that I do – upstairs and it'd be awesome if this show got bigger but i'm honestly just having a fun time coming on here giving you guys these reviews it was a lot of fun to talk about this movie this film is very much about what you're looking for in a movie multiverse of madness caught me on a, a day i guess where i wasn't i character building and stories weren't life and death and that's so weird because that's really what makes great movies i watched one flew over the cuckoo's nest last night and that's a film is that is so incredible because of the characters and the story and the emotion. The MCU will never reach that level if it stays at this rut where it is at right now, where it just is so about these big stakes and they just kind of ditch unique characters. All those characters in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest are unique and you care about them. And it's got a story that's engaging. It's the exact opposite of Multiverse of Madness and so many of our MCU films. And it's easily better than any MCU film that I've seen. And listen, I don't want to get into the whole discussion of whether or not it's art. Not everything has to be the most artistic film. But, I mean, come on. Give me the bare bones at least. And I don't even think that the that the MCU is delivering a full skeleton anymore for what a good movie is. So, I mean... I, this was good because of Sam Raimi and Danny Elfman's crazy, unique vision for what they wanted this movie to be. But in so many other departments, this movie is not that good. And I hope for something better in the future. Thor Love and Thunder. Guys, if Natalie Portman takes over Thor's own series, I'm going to riot and I'm going to get really mad. Do not make me mad when it comes to Thor. He is the last great character except for Spider-Man. If this next film treats him badly, I'm going to get really mad. Because Natalie Portman is not warranted the right to take over this series from Chris Hemsworth, who's infinitely more charismatic than she is. I'm going to get really mad if this movie goes Me Too on me, and I'm not going to be happy. I'm going to come on the show. I'm going to give you guys a scathing review for this for Thor Love and Thunder. But the trailer looks cool. Christian Bale looks awesome. Taika Waititi, uh, a very exciting director. I hope that the film works out. Don't go Me Too on me, guys. Uh, I really hope that that's the, uh, a fun film because the MCU needs something that works in all departments. And Thor Ragnarok is one of my favorite MCU films. I think that Taika Waititi has the chance to top it, go a little bit more crazy. But I think that he's also better at story and characters than Sam Raimi is. So I think that he'll be able to bring in all those other departments that I think this movie was missing. I'm excited for that movie. I think it comes out next month. I'm very interested, interested in seeing whether or not the, that movie works out. We've got a lot of other stuff coming onto uh, the podcast a, a lot. We are officially in the summer movie season. We talked about Top Gun Maverick a couple uh, uh, last week, I think. And uh, I actually, yes, that was a full, that was a full week ago. And I am hoping, I am just hoping that we get some really fun summer movies this year, because especially with Top Gun Maverick being the fun ride that it was, I am greatly greatly hoping i think what nope comes out this month uh, let me see i want to look at the uh i want to look at the june slate for movies 
June summer movies. And we're going to talk about which one of these looks most exciting. We're going to look at June here because I need, after this, which should have been a lot of fun, I'm going to need something really good to keep me on track. Let me see what is coming up. Obviously, we've got Jurassic World and... That should be all right. Lightyear, okie dokie. Elvis, all right. Um, A24, Marcel with sh- the Marcel the shell of shoes on. I'm on board. That's the one I'm most excited for. The Black Phone, Scott Derrickson, who made the first, he made the first Doctor Strange movie. Now doing a small film with Ethan Hawke. I might g- watch that. Give you guys a review. Elvis looks interesting. Lightyear looks like it could be fun. Then there's Crimes of the Future, that David Cronenberg film. I don't know whether I'm seeing that or not. Maybe. I don't know. Jurassic World Dominion. I'll do the Jurassic Park retrospective, and I'll review that. Not a lot of other stuff, though. Elvis looks exciting. Marcel is the most exciting movie this month, actually. So uh, there you go. Lightyear, I think that it's going to go woke on me, but who knows. July looks much better. Minions 2, which I'm actually excited for. Thor 11 Thunder. Pause of Fury actually looks good. Nope, which I'm very excited for. Vengeance with BJ Novak and also DC League of Super Pets. Could be fun. We'll see. But there you go, guys. That's what, that is what is coming up on the show in terms of summer movies. I'm going to do one more episode on Ozark because that show is just deserves a final farewell. I'm going to Come back on the show, talk a little bit more about that, uh, talk about that really fantastic TV series and uh, why I think it works so well, the importance it has you know, to Netflix. It's the end of an era for sure. That may be my next episode. I'm going to have to get Jude back on here. we got to wrap up Harry Potter and then move on to Fantastic Beasts. Very, I very much had a fun time doing this retrospective, so I'm excited to bring that to a close. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the uh, support. It is greatly appreciated. We have a, a small following, but uh, anytime you know I, I see that the, we get a little bit more listens on an episode, it always it, it always boosts me to continue want to do this show. And I've had a, a, a very fun time doing it, and I hopefully will continue to do this show for for many more years to come. I mean, because I'm operating on a pretty small you know set of equipment. I mean, I think that I could do this show for quite some time, and I've had a really fun time doing it thus far. It was a lot of fun, guys. Thank you so much. If you've got anything you want me to tackle, moviemaniacs2020 gmail.com. I always leave that email in the description so you guys can pitch in and tell me what you want to see next. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and I will see you real soon.